When the days were completed for their purification according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph took Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Just as it is written in the law of the Lord, Every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, in accordance with the dictate in the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, awaiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. He came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the Lord in regard to him, he took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory for your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted, and you yourself a sword will pierce, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived seven years with her husband after her marriage, and then as a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day with fasting and prayer. And coming forward at that very time, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had fulfilled all the prescriptions in the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This Gospel, we should understand, is from the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord Jesus. And this feast brings us to the great mystery of Jesus that we celebrated most recently, which is Christmas, the birth of the Son of God in this world, born of the Virgin Mary. On Christmas, we, we beheld in the scriptures and in our celebrations of Christmas the goodness of God. It was as if there was in this world, in Bethlehem, an explosion of God's goodness from heaven. The message of salvation, a message from Christ that gives hope to all peoples. We hear the story of the angels appearing to the shepherds and calling people to turn to Jesus and to experience the glory from heaven in Jesus Christ. We learn at Christmas that Jesus is God with us, Emmanuel. He is God with us, God is for us, and God loves us. Christmas we learn that God desires our hearts to be near to Him in faith, hope, and love. And you know, faith, hope, and love are things that we can understand in our own lives. And if we have these things active in our hearts, then we have healthy hearts, we have a healthy soul. Now, we see in the Gospel passage of the presentation that the goodness of Christmas is there again. We have Jesus Christ, the child, we have His mother Mary, we have Saint Joseph, and we have devout people, Simeon and Anna, who, like the shepherds and like the wise men, were looking for God's blessing 
in this world. But we see that evil seems to try to attack this. It's like a sign, a threat, a warning, a prophecy that evil's coming after this goodness. We hear the prophecy of Simeon that this gift of God and Jesus is going to be contradicted. It's going to be opposed by the hearts of some people in the world at the time of Jesus or down throughout history. That's pretty frightening. You know, when you have someone who you've come to this belief that they're against you, that they're out to get you and take you down, it's pretty frightening. But we have this message from a very holy person that this someone or a number of people who are going to come after Jesus and Mary. A sword will pierce the heart of Mary. That's the prophecy. Can you imagine that? You go to the temple to, to turn your heart more to God and you're told, hey, there's trouble coming and it's going to really pierce your heart. A sword of sorrow. Now the heart of Mother Mary is perfectly united to the mystery of God in faith, hope, and love. She's got a perfectly healthy heart. That's why we call her heart the Immaculate Heart. It's perfect. Perfect in its connection to the mystery of God in faith, hope, and love. And that heart is going to be attacked by a sword. And that heart is going to be attacked in such a way that there's a danger of it breaking. Now, if you've ever had something in your life that breaks your heart, something that, that hurts your heart, that you feel it hurts your soul, well, that's really tough. When you go through a situation or an experience that breaks your heart, that can change your life forever. You can have, you know, two points in your life, the time before your heart was broken and the time after it was broken. When your heart is broken by something or by someone, that can change your perspective on everything. It can change your perspective on God, on life, on the meaning of your life and the meaning of, of human life in general. And that change can be uh, very bad sometimes. It can be very, very bad. And we see in this Gospel that the goodness of God and the heart of Mary is threatened by evil, by contradiction, by the sword of sorrow. And you know what's really concerning is that this contradiction this sword of sorrow that's going to pierce the heart of Mother Mary is going to come from people who were attached to temple worship. Here they are in the temple, involved in temple worship, and they got a lot of good people there, especially Simeon, Anna, and who knows how many other good people were there watching this happen. But then at some point in the future, they're going to have other people who are attached to the temple worship who are going to bring to them the sword of sorrow, the Pharisees, the scribes, and then Judas Iscariot. Those characters were attached to temple worship. But you know, Judas Iscariot, not only was he attached to temple worship, but he was attached to the church, to the what we call the apostolic college. He was one of the apostles of Jesus. And he's going to be an instrument that brings a sort of sorrow to the heart of Mother Mary and directly to Jesus. These characters, the Pharisees and scribes and Judas and all those who conspired or contradicted the gift of God in Jesus Christ, they were religious people who became malicious. And let me tell you something, there's nobody more malicious than a religious person who becomes malicious. They can be very nasty. They become experts in malice. Now, we see that evil is something that breaks people's hearts. And we've experienced that one time or another, and 
probably will experience it again in our future. The evil of betrayal, lies, abuse of all kinds, suffering and death. It seems like when these evils come after us or we experience them or others experience them, our hearts are broken. And when your heart is broken, man, it's like you, you lose your compass in life. You don't know what to think anymore. Well, what do we do in the face of contradiction when we're opposed, when evil comes after us, when we're hurt, when our hearts are broken? Well, we have to understand that in this temple, in this presentation of Jesus, we have the answer to everything that breaks our hearts. When the sword hits our heart, we feel like the only priority we have is to, to either run away from that pain, to, to pretend it's not real, or to turn back the clock and, and get rid of that sword and make sure it doesn't hurt our hearts or break our hearts. Well, the answer is not that. The answer is found in this mysterious event in the temple with Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and the others. What is the answer? Well, when the sword of sorrow pierces your heart, and maybe it's piercing your heart right now, you have to turn to God more with faith, hope, and love. Have humility and trust in divine providence. Humility before God. Let God fight your battles. God has a plan. Even with that sword that has seemed to put a shatter point in your heart, God is all-powerful and all-good. He is still Emmanuel. That mystery of Christmas is still real. You have to renew your devotion to the mystery of God. You see, the thing is, in this little event, this humble event of Mary and Joseph presenting the child Jesus in the temple, you've got the three most powerful people in human history right there. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. They are the most powerful people in human history. They are the most powerful forces in the universe. There is no force greater than them, no spiritual force more powerful. Evil is not all-powerful. Evil is not omnipotent, but God is. And Jesus, Mary, and Joseph have that in their hearts. In one of the apparitions of Our Lady in human history, she said that after all of the battles between good and evil, in the end, her immaculate heart will triumph. And what is her immaculate heart? It's that heart that's perfectly united to God in faith, hope, and love. The sword of evil and sorrow will not triumph, but the heart of Our Lady will. That heart that we hear in this gospel was going to be pierced by a sword. That heart is going to triumph over every evil unleashed in human history. So, brothers and sisters, when the sword of sorrow comes to us, let us be like Our Lady and renew and keep strong our faith in God, our hope in our love. In this way, we will come to experience that the sword does not break our hearts, but our hearts become stronger. Our hearts become more like the heart of Mary, Joseph, and ultimately like Jesus Christ himself. God bless you.